0: Rick Zamprin here. Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. Who will be in Premier Doug Ford's inner circle? You won't have to wear a mask on the HSR or go transit starting this weekend. A travel nightmare at Pearson Airport. The Summit of the Americas kicks off in Los Angeles. A lot of weird items have been left in Uber vehicles over the past year. And Theater Aquarius unveils its 2022-23 season. The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast Nine hundred chml.
2: What a night and what a result. Together, we have done the possible we have made history
0: and welcome back to good morning hamilton on 900 chml premier elect doug ford is in the process of selecting his new cabinet and introducing a budget following the pc's recent election victory one week ago from tonight's colin Demello is our queens park bureau chief for global news and joins us now on good morning hamilton colin good morning welcome back to the show Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's begin with the most intriguing part right now. That is the new cabinet. What will Doug Ford's inner circle look like? What are you hearing?
3: So he actually has an embarrassment of riches, right? Doug Ford plus 82 other MPPs who were elected on that night. So he's got 82 people from, um, you know, which to choose from. And he's got to balance a lot of things here, Rick, right? He's got to look at the old cabinet and see how many of those members are going to, you know, retain jobs or be promoted in cabinet. Then he's got um, all of these new members, some of whom are, you know, black caucus members who he's never had black caucus members before. So they might have a a larger uh, role to play in this cabinet to make it as diverse as possible. He's got more uh, MPPs from regions that the progressive conservatives have never won before. I'm thinking about Windsor, Hamilton, uh, places like Perry Sound, Muskoka, York, Southwestern, and in the northern Ontario regions as well. So he's got to look at all of these things and say, okay, well, how do I make a cabinet that balances all of these out to find the perfect equation so that everyone in every region is satisfied and he's got good, broad representation on that cabinet? So job number one is finding the next health minister. Uh, Christine Elliott decided not to run for re-election. She's retired from politics her shoes are really big ones to fill. There isn't really a natural successor that I'm seeing for for her, but there are a number of names that have come up. Prabmeet Sakaria, an MPP from Brampton, who, you know, the Brampton region... All went to the progressive conservatives. So he is one person who people have been talking about. Caroline Mulroney, who's always been a star for the progressive conservative government. Um, you know, we've heard names like Greg Rickford and Stephen Lecce um, and, and a, you know, a few other top performing cabinet min, uh, ministers in the past um, election because... This person has to be a close confidant of Doug Ford and somebody who is in charge of a $75 billion uh, uh, bureaucracy um, and, you know, is still dealing with the fallout of COVID-19. So it's a big task. It's a big job. And that is number one the responsibility and the priority of uh, Doug
0: Ford. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Colin DeMello, Queens Park Bureau chief for Global News. Have you heard whether or not uh, the PCs are going to reintroduce the same budget that they unveiled before the election, or should we expect to see a few tweaks? A few
3: tweaks is what uh, the government has been saying, and that's largely because during the election, Uh, They'd made a new announcement about ODSP rates, as an example, that they were going to increase ODSP rates and then index it to inflation. So that was not reflected in the original budget slash platform. So they're going to have to make a couple of adjustments to it before they reintroduce uh, the the spending document. But for the most part, uh, you know, what we saw then is what we are going to get again. Right. About one hundred and sixty billion dollars over 10 years of all of this capital infrastructure spending to build new roads highways hospitals long-term care homes etc the one thing we didn't see though rick is what's going to happen with the operating budget what's going to happen with the more immediate promises that the ford government is going to uh, start doing we didn't really see that we saw these long-term larger projects and so that's going to be the big question mark going forward what are they going to do in the next four years, not the next 10 years?
0: Last one for you, and you have about a minute. It's regarding Ontario's mask mandate uh, dropping for at least those on public transit will stay in place for the healthcare care uh, facilities. Uh, has there been mostly positive or mostly negative reaction?
3: Well, some hospitals are pushing back. They're saying, listen, we're going to implement our own policies, own mandatory masking policies for any visitor who walks through the door. We might see more and more of that as uh, we get closer to the expiration date, which is on Saturday. I will say there is no surprise here. The chief medical officer of health has always said that we need to learn to live with COVID. That's been his mantra this entire year. And so this just fits in with that new vision of COVID-19.
0: Colin Demello, Queens Park Bureau Chief for Global News. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy your day. Thanks for having me.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: First case of monkeypox has been confirmed in Halton region. Are you worried about it? 88% say no. 12% say yes. You have until six tonight to cast your vote. We'll recap the results for you on tomorrow's edition. Of Good Morning Hamilton. Yesterday, we asked you, Ontario's mask mandate on public transit and in healthcare facilities is set to expire Saturday. Should it be extended? 61% said no, 39% said yes. Well, we heard yesterday from Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health, who said that most of the province's remaining COVID mask mandates will be lifted on Saturday, at least for public transit. So if you're on GO Transit or the HSR, you no longer have to wear a mask. If you're visiting a long-term care home, you still have to mask up. Thomas Kate is a professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Toronto Metropolitan University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Thomas, welcome back to the show. How are
2: you? I'm good. Thanks very much, Rick. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming back on. Uh, I, th- I thought the province was going to go this route in terms of the mask mandate, although I thought they would have made it mandatory still on public transit as well, just because of the marginalized population that really relies on public transit. What, what was going through your mind over the last 24 hours and what you thought the province uh, was going to do and what it ultimately did?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, definitely, I, like, I agree with you that, like, I think transit is still one of those... Uh, areas that I think from my, my perspective is is a high risk setting because you've got a lot of lot of crowding you've got uh, people indoors and in confined spaces for a long long reasonably long period of time and you've got and people are mixing with a lot of other people that they don't normally mix with uh, and you know as you said there's there's a, a range of people who who are marginalised and I think are at high risk themselves. So, so from my perspective, I think transit is 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 uh, is an area that should still require. Uh, mandates and and i you know i noticed that uh, a number of the transit operators are, are really encouraging people to still wear masks and uh i definitely think uh that's a good idea that if you know I, I would encourage everyone to still wear a mask on on transit but uh i know that once you you know once you pull the mandate then uh a, you know a large number of people will will stop wearing them
0: Dr. Kieran Moore says he made the decision based on high vaccination rates and improvements in Ontario's COVID-19 situation. I mean, we're in a good spot right now, so it's nice to be rewarded, I guess, for our efforts. But as we know, the pandemic has thrown us a couple of curveballs over the last number of months and another one or two may be on the way. We have to keep that top of mind as well
2: yeah yeah definitely uh, i think for, from my perspective you know when i look at uh, the vaccination uh, you know the discussion about vaccination and high vaccination rates you know, i agree that you know the the rate for for the two doses is is very high but uh you know the rate for the booster is is not is not where we where it should be you know uh, and so so from my perspective uh you know the the vaccinate, vaccination rate that we should be looking at is that the triple dose as in that the booster. And, and when we look at the numbers of people in hospital and, uh, and in ICUs who are fully back uh, fully dosed with uh, two doses, you know, that that's the largest, largest number of people. And so, so it really means that if you only have two doses, you're, you're not being protected. So, so I think that's the sort of, a, uh, from, from my perspective, the, the, it's sort of incorrect to say that we have a high vaccination rate because we really we really should be looking at the booster one and 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 it's really not as high as it needs to be.
0: Can governments or public health units or even the provincial uh, public health ministry um, say that? Listen, everyone needs that third dose um, in order to be considered fully vaccinated. Can they can they go back to that? Because what's the penalty if you're not?
2: yeah so so definitely you know, like like individual public health units can implement uh you know additional measures uh themselves and uh you know based on their local situation and so so that you know that you know we, we saw that you know early on in the pandemic where, where there were different rules in different public health units uh, I, you know like overall you know i would uh, really uh, really sort of encourage people to get the booster dose uh you know if if they're eligible uh uh, you know, I know that some people have had trouble uh, or experiences with the with the vaccinations, but but overall, you know, from my perspective, if you don't have the booster, you really aren't protected at all at the moment.
0: Last one for you: Halton Region has reported its first case of the monkeypox virus. Uh, the infected person is currently isolating
2: at home. Should we be concerned about monkeypox? I, I think at this stage, I I don't think people should be. It's it's going to be you know very. Uh, very isolated uh, and you it's really about very close contacts and so so if there is a case uh, you know, what I understand is the public health authorities are really clamping down and really uh, managing the very close contacts uh, very rigorously so so at this stage I don't think people should should be worried but we should uh, you know keep an eye on it
0: it's good to hear Thomas always appreciate your time thank you for joining us today and have a wonderful day
2: Yes, you too. Thanks very much, Rick.
0: Thank you. Thomas Kate, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health with Toronto Metropolitan University.
2: You're listening to the Good
1: Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. I said, can I just get my bags? I had a ride to Buffalo all set up and I had a JetBlue flight from Buffalo. I just need to get out of this country, out of this airport. This is the worst airport On Earth. I'm telling you, there's no other airport like this. That
0: is a social post from former NHL player Ryan Whitney, who was at Pearson Airport a few days ago and really ripped it to shreds in this video. And he's not alone. A flight tracking website. Says 28 of all departures, percent that is, of all departures from Toronto were delayed on Tuesday. 32 percent of arrivals were delayed on that day, and that put Pearson in the top 10 worst delays of all major airports. Toronto Mayor John Tory calling the delays in long lineups unacceptable. What is going on at Pearson International Airport? Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Secure and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Marty, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. What's happening at Pearson these days?
4: Well, I'll tell you firsthand because I just returned two days ago from uh, Greece, so I know exactly what I saw. Let me start off by saying this is not proprietary to Canada. I was seeing airport delays, Tel Aviv, Santorini, Athens it's a mess everywhere but at the end of the day the problem is I call it a domino effect everything is getting delayed and it's backing each and every other section up so when you land you don't get off the plane anymore like you used to you sit on there until they tell you it's time
0: so why is that is it screening is it random testing is it uh, customs
4: yeah great question I'm going to start off with, I think, number one is labor issues with respect to not enough staff to handle the new pandemic. I should say the new boom in travel. There's just so many people traveling and there isn't the infrastructure to handle it. The restriction requirements don't help matters. Let's put it that way. Those have to be removed. The arrive can, the pending testing, that will help ease it. But the biggest problem is sheer number of people trying to go through an airport terminal and not enough people to move them through
0: any estimate on the number of shortage, at least at Pearson, and how many people they're short?
4: Not by number. It's just so apparent that when you land, they say and make an announcement right away. This is what happened to me, so I can tell you this firsthand. They basically said only those with connecting flights will be let off. After that, we are going to, it's called merging. Basically, they're allowing 50 people at a time to come off every 30 minutes to try to alleviate the congestion that's in the airport terminal. So as you can tell, that gate's now going to have a plane sitting there for two hours, and there was another plane that was supposed to take that gate. This is where it's all falling apart.
0: Wow. And, and is this happening at other airports as well?
4: Everywhere. I was uh, sent a picture, actually, of Santorini. There must have been thousands of people, and there were literally two fl- two uh, flight check-in counters And, in fact, we missed our flight. Then what happens is you miss the connecting flight, and then your bags get lost. That's what happens in the world we live in today.
0: (laughs) Wow. Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Secure. We're talking about flight delays, whether it's arrivals or departures at Pearson. And obviously, as uh, Marty tells us, around the world as well, are are vaccine mandates slowing down the system at all? Are those still in play?
4: Absolutely. I mean, how is it happening? It's happening through that Arrive Can doc, which has to show... Your proof that you have a double vaccination. So, that in itself is a dilemma to fill it out for many. Okay. Then, when you get to the terminal, they basically review those questions with you again. It's all redundant. And when that airport moves right, it moves right because it's all figured out 15 seconds for this person, 15 seconds for that. When it becomes three to four minutes for that person, that's when the whole thing backs up and all the problems begin.
0: I understand the past few days, especially at Pearson, have become pretty bad. Is that because there's a thirst to travel? again
4: very much so let's assume that 45,000 people are passing through the terminal the fear i have and why i don't think this is going to get better soon is that's not the number when you're in the height of the summer that's up to 85,000 okay well if they can't handle 45 how are they going to handle 85 even though they are making efforts to to grow the labor force, it just doesn't happen overnight. You don't push your button.
0: So should air travelers consider other airports like, uh, I don't know, Buffalo, maybe elsewhere in the province, or is it just they're going to run into the same situation?
4: No, I'm advising pack your patience. I think, listen, you're getting away. This is really positive news in a roundabout way. Travel's back bigger and better than ever. Just understand it's not the old travel. It's the new travel. The new travel has your plane landing and you not running to the up, up uh, above bin and getting out your, your suitcase. <clears throat> you, you basically sit now until you are told to leave the plane. As long as you can accept that. And not call your family to come pick you up when the plane's wheels hit the ground and know that it could be a three to four hour wait after that. You'll be OK. But if you're going to get aggravated or upset, that's the that's the problem.
0: So how much extra time are people waiting in airports on planes cumulatively? How much extra time are we wasting?
4: So we got two areas here. Departures, that's definitely a problem where you have to be there three to four hours earlier because you just don't know how long those lines are going to be and how long it'll take you to get through customs, security, and onto the plane. That's one thing you have to consider. The arrivals is a real problem because you have no idea what's waiting you. So it could be... Hours and hours and hours versus typically just getting off, going through customs, getting your bag, and then going up to the front and waiting for a cab or limo there that used to line up, but hundreds of them, that are now coming sporadically one at a time. So The whole system is backed up in each and every area.
0: Wow, well, Marty Firestone is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, the president of Travel Secure. Uh, Marty, you've been around the world most recently just uh, off a trip. Is anyone doing it better than others? This is
4: what leads me to believe that the COVID restrictions that are being required in Canada really aren't going to change things, even if they're removed, because there are no COVID restrictions in Tel Aviv or Athens or uh, Santorini in this case, and it's still bad. So it would lead me to believe it's simply one thing, and that is tremendous increase in travel. Not enough infrastructure at the airport level to handle that increase. The COVID restrictions are secondary, in my opinion, at this point.
0: So the big question I think many of our listeners are wondering is, is this the new norm or are we going to see some improvement down the line?
4: I think it's very much the new norm because even if there is improvement, it's going to be offset by increased travel. So I think you got to get through this whole year you got to be prepared and staffed up for next year with respect to summer travel, but I don't think it's going to get any better because even after they increase labor forces, the travel increase is going to double that increase, and you're still going to be no farther ahead.
0: Oof. Marty, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Take care. That is Marty Firestone, president of Travel Secure. A little more info from Ryan Whitney, who, again, was at Pearson Airport a few days ago and did not have a good time at all.
1: Be here at 5 a.m., they said. So I got here at 4.55. I wanted to be five minutes early. So I wanted to be three hours and 55 minutes early. I get here, this woman says, oh we booked you actually on a flight from here to montreal and then montreal to boston but that leaves in 50 minutes and you can't make it they never sent me an email they just i i, I started laughing i mean what do you what do you gonna do it was either that or like cry i said can i just get my bags i had a ride to buffalo all set up and i had a JetBlue flight from buffalo i just need to get out of this country out of this airport this is the worst airport on earth. I'm telling you, there's no other airport like this.
0: Ryan Whitney, former NHL player, clearly at wit's end and in disgust at what happened to him at Pearson International.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Whether it's new threats, new technologies,
1: or shifting geopolitical realities, it becomes all the more important for friends and allies like Canada and the United States to continue working so closely
0: together. That is the voice of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who is going to meet with U.S. President Joe Biden and others as part of the Summit of the Americas today. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Let's dive into the summit, find out what is uh, all the uh, fuss about and what all the chatter is going to be about with Reggie Cicchini, Washington correspondent for Global News. Reggie, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Now, this summit has a little bit of controversy to it because not all the countries in the Americas are involved. What's happening?
5: Not all the countries in the Americas are involved. And at the same time, other countries who were upset about the decision to not involve those countries didn't send heads of state and instead sent uh, other representatives from the countries. Essentially, what we had here was the Biden administration saying that they did not want Authoritarians to be a part of these this summit that really is to try and promote democracy throughout the Americas. So we saw, uh, you know, uh, Venezuela not invited, Cuba not invited, and because of that, the president of Mexico didn't go. The president uh, of some South American countries didn't go. President Biden says that this is not going to get in the way of the ultimate objective and goal of this in strengthening relationships. But it does go to show that there are still strained ties with the United States and allied and friendly nations in the Americas that have been strained for years.
0: Disappointing that Mexico is not going to take part, given that they're a part of NAFTA.
5: Absolutely. Uh, And this would have been an opportunity for not only Joe Biden, but also for the prime minister to be able to carry out these kind of trilateral three amigos style um, conversations on the sidelines to discuss things like critical supply chains, which were obviously hampered earlier this year when there was a supply chain blockage because uh, of the border uh, and bridge situation in Ontario. But at the end of the day, there will still be opportunities for uh, the prime minister, for uh, the president and for other leaders to be able to talk about things that are of critical importance, like climate change, like migration, like health care. This is going to be a key component of these conversations.
0: So what do we expect to come out of this summit? Are there any hard and fast resolutions that'll be adopted?
5: Well, there are big deals that are coming out of the United States, where there's going to be a pledge for hundreds of millions of dollars for food security for some of these nations. There's going to be a pledge to uh, develop hundreds of thousands of healthcare positions uh, across the Caribbean and across South America in order to prepare these countries for the future along uh, with dealing with climate change. This is a big deal for Joe Biden. This is also a big deal uh, for the prime minister. But immigration is really also going to become a key focus here. And that is because so many of these countries lose uh, their own citizens, their residents to the these migration routes into the caravans that ultimately look for refuge in the United States or Canada. It becomes a politically divisive issue, and there are opportunities here uh, for the U.S. and for Canada to work with these nations to keep people in their own countries by providing them with opportunities,
0: our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Reggie Giacchini, Washington correspondent for Global News. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. NORAD has come up in conversation over the last number of weeks with Chinese planes buzzing around and Russian forces making excursions into the Arctic. What, what's the focus around NORAD?
5: Well, look, there, there's money that is desperately needed uh, for NORAD. It is a uh, it is a, a joint system that's uh, unseen anywhere else uh, in the world, but it needs funding that is why we saw the prime minister uh make a trip there earlier uh that's why we have uh, ongoing conversations in the United States about uh the need for this kind of defense especially with um the news that was broken really uh, out of our Ottawa bureau uh, about the situation with uh Chinese jets uh what we've heard from the state department what we've heard from the department of defense is that these are ongoing threats that are taken into measure they are looked into but ultimately putting the funding into defense across the United States where it's needed is uh, an essential thing for uh, for for the U.S. to be able to work with Canada with. And this is going to be one of those opportunities that could come up in conversation between the prime minister and the president today.
0: Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is going to hold a news conference with California Governor Gavin Newsom uh, today. What uh, should we expect to hear?
5: Well, I mean, look, there's there's, you know, any kind of number of things that can come up uh, between the two. There's also expected to be uh, conversations with members from the private sector as well, opportunities to get the private sector to get uh, other leaders of government involved. Look, climate change is a big deal for uh, Governor Newsom in California, obviously, uh, with a water crisis impacting the state with forest fires and extreme heat impacting the state. This is an opportunity to expand conversations about how uh, governments whether they are uh, one level or one level below can work with each other uh, in order. Order to learn from each other and assist each other when it comes forward to to issues that may impact both sides
0: we got about uh, a minute to discuss the uh, insurrection it goes a prime time tonight at the special house committee investigating last year's uh, insurrection at the capitol building uh, is it just going to be fireworks or are we going to see any penalties unveiled what's going to happen
5: I think this is going to be a big deal. It's a two-hour primetime event tonight where we actually have a former network news producer who is at the helm of trying to get this put together, put the information out there. The committee says that there will be new information put out there. There will be new uh, revelations. There will be new sound from depositions, including members of Donald Trump's family, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, played for the world. It's an opportunity for those who are hesitant or resistant to accept what took place on January 6th to potentially see what's going on. It's a different avenue for people who have been following this closely who fear for democracy to get a better idea as to what is going on the pre- former president sees this as nothing more than a political witch hunt this is going to be a potential big first for this committee the first of seven upcoming hearings so
0: i'll start popping that popcorn reggie appreciate the time thank you reggie cichini washington correspondent for global news that should be an exciting event uh tonight if you're interested in that sort of thing who knows something explosive might be unveiled
1: you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml
0: people forgetting a lot of things in their uber vehicles or at least not their uber vehicles but when they book a ride hop into a vehicle get to where they're going uber vehicle takes off and they're like wait a minute i left my hibachi in there <laughs> my big screen tv come back Uber releasing its annual list of items that passengers leave in their vehicles. And the list, we went through the list uh, down in the U.S. yesterday, and there are some strange things. The Canadian list, just as strange, just as bizarre. There are some odd things on this list. Keithana Arang is a spokesperson for Uber Canada and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Keithana, good morning. How are you?
6: Hi, good. How are you?
0: I'm okay. So how forgetful are Uber riders?
6: Oh, seems like uh, people are forgetting things quite often, Um, you know, it's going to be like one of the busiest summer of travel ever as things are opening up, you know, with the new normal post pandemic, if we can even say that, but, you know, we've noticed at Uber, we're starting to see the highest demand for rides since the pandemic started, which is great. So we thought it would be a good time now to release our annual lost and found index. It is our sixth year. And really, yes, it's to have some laughs and look at the interesting data. But, you know, also a really good reminder for folks when you're taking Uber, take a look at the back seat before you hop out. And if you've left something in your Uber, you can always go in your app um, and try to reach out to your driver to get your item back.
0: Yeah. What's that process like? Does it happen rather quickly if you've left something in a ride?
6: Uh, It depends. So you can go into your app, go into your trip history uh, click on the trip um, that you took where you've lost something, and uh, you can your driver. Uh, you contact your driver; they'll call you, and you know, depending on where they are now in the city, uh, they'll they'll come out to you and, and return your item, or you can meet them somewhere to get your item.
0: How often does this happen? Is this like a, a daily thing?
6: Definitely a daily thing across the
0: country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, where does Hamilton rank in the the top or, or most forgetful cities?
6: Uh, it ranks at number eight, um, and there's cities right across the country, like from Quebec City to, to Halifax to Vancouver. Hamilton's eight. But, you know, I was looking at the list last year, and Hamilton was number six. So oh, wow. I feel like Hamilton and residents are doing better. You know, maybe next year we, we, you guys get off the list.
0: <laughs> We're getting there. Uh, Keith and Arang is our guest spokesperson for Uber Canada. They've le- uh, released their annual list of things that uh, people have left in Uber vehicles. What are some of the things that Hamilton riders did leave behind?
6: Yeah, so phones, wallets, keys always top the list as most commonly forgotten items. But as we all know, riders aren't just leaving the usual behind. Um And so while... Hamilton didn't make the most unique items lost. I did take a look at the unique items um, left behind by Hamilton residents, and someone left a McMaster jersey in the last year. Um, Someone was looking for their blue paisley tie they left behind. (laughs) Um, We've got a long black cotton belt, some resistance bands for for a fitness Uber uh, rider. Um, So these items, I don't know if they were found, but uh, if you're looking for them, someone has them.
0: Interesting. Before we get to the... Uh, most unusual items uh, which cities top the list as being most forgetful
6: so we've got quebec city on number one uh we've got uh windsor number two niagara region regina vancouver halifax kitchener waterloo hamilton number eight kingston and then saskatoon to round out the top ten um, but what i found really interesting was that toronto is the least forgetful city in the country really yeah i thought there'd be more people but uh yeah I guess, I guess
0: they're very protective of their stuff. <laughs> they don't leave it out of their sights. Um, okay, so let's get to the list of most unusual items. What strange things have been left in Uber vehicles here in Canada?
6: I think the one that was really interesting to me was Gold Teeth Grills in Toronto. Wow. That was the most interesting. Then the other stuff that I always find interesting is food items. So there's a tiramisu cake in Kingston. And a sub sandwich in Halifax. The reason why I find food interesting is because, you know, you've actually reached out to your driver to get this food back. And I don't know what state this food's going (laughs) to (laughs) be. Like, I don't think that cake's going to be really good.
0: Yeah, probably not.
6: Um, And then the other interesting thing was a scanner in Windsor. So I'm wondering if people are like going back to the office now, taking their equipment back. But scanner, I don't know. I don't know who's using scanners these days. Guess there's still some utility there. Yeah,
0: I guess, and that's something that's not rather small. I mean, you'd you'd notice that in the back seat,
6: right? Um, and then the other one, which I can't even pronounce, but I think it's a Lab- Labradorite crystal in Winnipeg, which is like a healing crystal, which could be quite large. There's some that are quite large. So that was an interesting one for me too. Wow. I thought.
0: Uh, some, some things on the, uh, the U.S. list were kind of interesting as well. They had uh, a brown tortoise, uh, a metal leg, 500 grams of caviar, 40 chicken nuggets, some tater tots, even a fingernail. Um, so there, <laughs> there's the comparison between Canada and the U.S. Uh, a lot of odd things left in backseats.
6: Yeah, I did look at the U.S. one as well. I guess because your population is higher, they've just gotten so much more stuff that they're leaving behind, but definitely interesting.
0: What should uh, riders know when they enter uh, an Uber in terms of lost and found and things that they should just be looking out for?
6: Yeah, I mean, if you get into an Uber and you see something that's not yours in the back seat, but the driver knows so that they can contact um, someone else or uh, the person who was there before so they can get their item back. But if you take an Uber um you know when you hop out just take a look at your back seat make sure you've taken everything um and if you do forget something um you can always reach back in through your app interesting thing is the most commonly forgotten item is a phone so really (laughs) hard to get uh you know in contact with your driver when you lose your phone in that case you can actually log into your uber account um on a desktop or like on a laptop. Um, so definitely do that. And then um, you can contact your driver.
0: It's strange, but it's true. It's the annual list of items left in Uber vehicles here in Canada. Keith and Arang, a spokesperson for Uber Canada. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of your day.
6: Thanks. You too.
0: That is Keith and Arang from Uber. And yes, that uh, is a very interesting list. And here in Hamilton as well. I mean, it must really stink for that person who left a McMaster University jersey in the backseat of an Uber. You know, the long cotton belts, the the blue paisley tie, even the black toque. Probably, we'd probably live it out. McMaster jersey, I mean, that's a keepsake. Resistance bands, if somebody was doing rehab, that must have sucked that day. But hey, just uh, go on your app or even call Uber Canada to get your stuff back.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Well, if you are a theater goer... You are excited today because a new season has, bez- has been announced at Theatre Aquarius. And to discuss what is going to happen in the months ahead is the artistic director at Theatre Aquarius, Mary Frances Moore. Mary Francis, good morning. How are you?
7: All right. Hi. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. It must feel fantastic to be back. And I would assume with very little COVID related restrictions to worry about.
7: It's pretty great. It's we're we're pretty euphoric over at Theater Aquarius. Yeah, not only have we just announced the new season, but we have Ring of Fire opening officially on Friday night, and then we have another show right after that. So as as COVID restrictions lift and people keep flocking back to the theater, we're um we're we're delighted.
0: Uh, the twenty twenty two twenty three season is, from what I understand, an all Canadian season. W- was that done on purpose?
7: It actually wasn't. Um, <laughs> it's a, it it just happened by by circumstance but I receive a lot of scripts to to consider for a season Um, I have agents who send me scripts I have playwrights who send me scripts I go see shows Uh, so I have a a massive pile on my desk as I'm going through the season and a lot of times when you choose the plays it's about what's happening in the community and what are conversations I'm hearing in the community and so as I was just sort of going through all the shows when I got to my short list I kind of was like oh this is amazing. This is all Canadian. This season, apart from Ring of Fire, which is from 2020, pre-COVID, was also all Canadian. So that's um It's. I think we have a lot to be proud of here. So anytime I can showcase Canadian artists, I'm. I am more than happy to
0: do so. Yeah, for sure. How many scripts do you get in a year? Oh, do you lose count? Hundreds. <laughs> yeah, you lose count. It,
7: it also depends on the time of year as well. Um, so I would say I would say I probably get ten to fifteen. Per week, and then at different times of, different times of the year, I get more. Yeah, and then we also just have this incredible library of, of work as well, just from what's happening at other theaters across the country. So when you see what they're doing and, you know, what's to, you know what their audiences are responding to, it's always good to check that out as well.
0: Mary Francis Moore is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, the Artistic Director at Theatre Aquarius, which has just announced its 2022-23 season. Uh, six plays, including three world premieres. How would you describe this season in a nutshell?
7: It's hopeful, it's funny, and it's relatable.
0: Well, well we need a lot of that, especially the hopeful part.
7: Mm-hmm. That's what <laughs> I thought. <laughs> you know, Rick, the... the beautiful thing about this season is that, you know, that the locations are all around the world. The stories are from different moments in history. But there is something a local artist, Karen Anchetta, who's just a fantastic artist, said to me one day, we were walking through the stage door of the theater, and she said, you know, you should put a mirror right here. And I said, oh, so you can see yourself before you walk in? And she said, well, more like just so you can see yourself here. And she said, for those people who've never, you know, perhaps thought that they felt welcome at a theater or belonged in a theater or that their stories mattered... On a stage as big as ours, so that you can see yourself and know that they do, and that really stayed with me, Rick, for months afterwards. And so, as I was looking at the season, I thought, I want people to see themselves here through our stories, through our theater school, through our outreach programs, you know, through the shows on in our studio, you know, and so that really became a driving force for me: will people see themselves? So, not necessarily that they it's their exact lived experience, but that there's moments of humanity and connection and family and identity and friendship, but people will feel like, oh, I know what that feels like. You know, whether it's Kenya in 1950 or Scotland in 1968, someone will feel like, I know what that feels like. so that was a real real driving force for me.
0: The uh, the names of the plays that are being released uh, at Theatre Aquarius this year, Salt Baby, Serving Elizabeth, A Hamilton Holiday, The Extinction Therapist, The Gig, and Maggie. Is there one that sticks out to you that you're really excited about? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm excited about them all, of course. (laughs) But
7: um, Maggie is a play written by Matt Murray and international recording artist Johnny Reed. A lot of people will know Johnny's music. That one sticks very close to my heart because I've actually been working on the development of that piece for five years. And it's the story of Johnny Reed's grandmother, a woman in 1950s and 60s Scotland, who raised three boys on her own, um, one of whom became Johnny's father, and he moved to Canada and gave us Johnny Reed. Uh, you know he's a national treasure, but... As a, as a child of Scottish immigrants, that story really hit me on a personal level. But artistically, it's something I've invested hundreds and hundreds of hours in. And the music you know, makes the, makes the hairs on my arms stand up. It's, it's gorgeous. It's funny. It's sad. It's universal. And I'm really excited because that's the world premiere. And that one we have in development. We've got two co-productions with that. Um, show with other theaters across the country, which we haven't announced yet. It's still a bit of a secret. So that's a show that we already know is going across the country as soon as it leaves Hamilton. But Hamiltonians will see it first.
0: Wow, that is awesome. My guess is the, the actors, the singers, everyone involved, the production staff are really amped to get this thing going.
7: Oh my gosh, you you can't describe the excitement. The entire season's like that. You know, we have we're bringing people in who are from Hamilton but have been working elsewhere. We've got people, you know, who have just got extraordinary resumes and then we've got people who this is their, you know, this is their story, this is their play and they can't wait to get it on the stage. So the whole the whole building feels is really, you know, it's really buzzing with energy right now. It's a great place to
0: be. What do you think the reaction is going to be from people who come out to watch the shows? Well, if
7: the open, the preview night the other night of Ring of Fire is any indication, those folks were on their feet before the last note was sung. Um, the response was incredible. People are happy to be back, you know, and something we did was we sent a survey out to our subscribers saying, like, what do you need to come back to the theater to feel confident, to feel safe? And our subscribers really let us know what they wanted. And so we just keep taking our cue from them. So... You know, I think people people are ready to be back. They're excited to to mingle, to listen to music, to see stories, to connect with each other. And we're we're just thrilled with the loyalty of our subscribers and and the spirit of our single ticket buyers because um, they're they want theater, and that means the world to us.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on nine hundred CHML, Mary Francis Moore, the artistic director at Theater Aquarius. We're chatting about the 2022-23 season at the theater. Um, how can our listeners become Theatre Aquarius subscribers or members, or even just grab single event tickets?
7: You can just go online to org and go into our box office, click onto our box office, and that will give you all the information you need. You can also go to our box office in person. Our box office staff are fabulous. They know that thing inside out, and they will be happy to help you should you need one-on-one assistance. Or just go online. We're, we're all over the place. We're all over we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on all the socials, and our website is theatercrast.org.
0: And when is show number one? When does the season officially kick off?
7: Show number one starts September 16th with Salt Baby. That's Phelan Johnson's show, and Phelan is a Six Nations writer, and currently living in Montreal, and uh, we're thrilled to bring her home with this show.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. Mary Frances Moore, thanks for joining us today. Best of luck with the 2022-23 season.
7: Oh, thanks so much. You have a great day.
0: You too. Mary Francis Moore is the Artistic Director at Theater Aquarius. And, uh, yeah, you can go online, visit the box office at 190 King William Street. Sounds like an exciting campaign ahead.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900-CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.